Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is August the 18th, 2023. I thank you for joining me. Happy I could join you. Sorry that uh, family requirements came first last weekend, but I'm certainly here, alive and well and kicking and, frankly, pissed off. But that's not new, and I'm sure if you're listening to me, you share my frustration and anger at the direction that we're headed. We're certainly going the wrong way on a one-way street. I, I normally focus almost entirely on immigration, and certainly immigration is going to be a big part of what I want to talk to you about this evening. But I want to start out with a George Orwell quote, and those of you who are familiar with me know that I'm a huge George Orwell fan, and I'm going to once again recommend that if you've yet to read 1984, the George Orwell novel, read it. It's a quick read, it's an insightful read, and you will immediately understand the lunacy that passes for normalcy in this wacky era. So let's think of one of George Orwell's great quotes. In a time of deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. Think about that. In the time of deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. Look at what has been going on with social media, with censorship with the cancel culture we're told to follow the science as though science is a cookbook uh, you know most people and i have to make the point i started out uh, very much interested in science things don't always go the way we plan we have a, an expression um, a yiddish expression translated into english man makes plans and god laughs you know we think we're making plans we think we know where we're headed and you'd be amazed at how frequently we veer off course in ways that we couldn't have imagined. But back when I was in high school, college, I thought I was going to be an engineer. Things didn't go that way. Two of my kids are engineers. But I'm very much into science. I've been into science since public school. I began teaching myself astronomy in third grade. And so it's frustrating when you hear the politicians demand that we follow the science. Science isn't a set of facts. Science is a methodology. You look at a phenomenon, you see something that's going on, and then you try to come up with explanations for why we see what we see or why whatever it is that's happening is happening. And then scientists, physicists, chemists, biologists, whomever, devise experiments to try to test whether or not the theories are accurate. And the more we learn, the more we find out that we don't know. In fact, uh, Sir Isaac Newton and I'm, I'm paraphrasing him, I don't have the quote in front of me, but basically said, that, think of all of his achievements. He invented calculus, he understood gravity to a point. Einstein uh, saw other um, ways of looking at gravitational pull, but he understood the physics of movement and inertia. Incredible guy, Isaac Newton. And he said that he felt like a child at water's edge running along the, the edge of the water, picking up an occasional pebble or shell while the vast ocean of knowledge lay yet undiscovered before him. Because anybody who understands science 
truly understands that we've barely scratched the surface. And until Hubble was launched, that telescope, uh, our astronomers knew very little about the universe as compared to what Hubble has shown us. Now with James Webb, we've learned even more, and we're finding out that so many theories that everyone thought had to be right might not be right. Now, the reason I'm saying this is that we listen to this drivel from the politicians saying, follow the science. Following the science starts with asking questions, right? That's how it starts. You ask a question, and then you try to devise answers that satisfy um, what the truth will turn out to be based on experiments, based on the scientific methods, scientific principles. That's what following the science means. And yet the same idiots that tell us to follow the science tell you, don't you dare question anything you're told. We tell you the way it works, and you will follow it blindly or else. That's not following the science. Following the science means ask the questions, right? Think about that. It has been said that you judge a person's intelligence by the questions that they ask. And the very same people who tell you, follow the science, in the next breath say, and don't you dare question us. Think about Fauci. Think about COVID. Uh, by the way, they're raising flags again. Oh, my God, COVID is resurging. We need to put on the masks, even as record numbers of children are being treated for mental illness. Record numbers of children are being treated for mental illness. It's believed part of it was, came out of the isolation because of the lockdowns because of COVID. You have to wonder how much of the mental illness issues uh, are the result of the insanity about people being raised to believe that sex is fluid. You can be a man one day, a woman another day, and God knows what a third day. Stabilizing. Children need to have a, a, a secure blanket around them that the family is supposed to provide. Most people who do well have the support of their parents. I was the PTA president, the Parent Association president of my daughter's public school, and our goal in that school was to encourage parents to be involved in their children's education and in their children's lives. You remember they used to run those commercials on TV? It's 8 p.m. Do you know where your children are? Today, parents who show up at parents' association meetings and school board meetings are liable to be branded terrorists by the Attorney General and the FBI. Is that helpful for the development of a relationship between children and their parents, or is this all about driving a wedge between parents and their children? There are districts around the country where parents cannot be told by the teacher if a child walks into the teacher's office and says, I think I'm the wrong sex. You would imagine a parent should immediately be notified that that child has a serious issue. There are places in America, in America, think about that, in America, where teachers are prohibited from calling up the parent and saying, you know, your daughter, your son, whomever, came in to see me today, and they're having an identity issue. They're not sure if they're boys or girls. Don't you think the parents should be involved? So on the one hand, we're being told, follow the science. We're being told that we have to do what we have to do, and, and, and they go through all of these wacky demands and by the way there have been studies done that show that teenage uh, kids who use marijuana especially with the enhanced levels of THC the active ingredient in pot are likely to become mentally ill they may develop psychosis 
And so we're legalizing pot all over the United States, decriminalizing pot, doing nothing to stop a flood of narcotics from flowing freely into this country, and not just across the southern border. Critical as the southern border is, this country is leaking like a sieve. You know, a while back, a couple of years ago, I wrote an article, and I called it Border Security and the Immigration Colander. To say that if we secure the Mexican border, all will be right with the world, is like saying if you plug a hole in the colander that you use to drain pasta, that you've now converted that colander into a watertight bucket. It's crazy. Drugs are pouring in through seaport, through the Canadian border, through our coastline, through boats, international airports, and, of course, through the southern border. And nothing is being done about it. Not even ads being run on television to warn children and others about the dangers of fentanyl, how drugs that they may think are pharmaceutical, legitimate pharmaceutical drugs that they might buy from somebody on the street may well not be legitimate and may contain fentanyl that will kill them on the spot. You would think there should be ads, the ads warning about drunk driving, the ads warning about the dangers of cigarette smoke are abundant, they're terrifying, I have a problem watching it, my dad died of lung cancer, I, I, I find it unbearable to watch the cigarette commercials, it strikes well, you know, too far, uh, well too close to home, forgive me for tangled tongue, which is one of the reasons I didn't go on to become an engineer myself, uh, I was dealing with helping to care for both of my parents, um, single child at the time, and both my parents had cancer, and you have to man up, and by the way, uh, I just saw another article that says, well, if you man up, you're suffering from cowboy mentality where boys are taught to man up, stand on their own two feet, and deal with life crises. What a novel thought. We're back to toxic masculinity with a different description. All of this is undermining our society. All of this is making Americans unable to cope with life issues, making it impossible for Americans be Americans. And now you add to that politicians from both parties whose only concern is garnering campaign contributions and, and power. Campaign contributions are bribes. And when they talk about the debates that are upcoming, one of the factors to determine whether or not a candidate will make it to the stage is determined by how much money they've been able to collect. Could you imagine if federal agents, police officers, whomever, walked into the office and said, I just collected $10,000 out there on the street, and everybody clapped. No, we weren't allowed to accept a cup of coffee on duty, and in point of fact, if you did more than that, there was a good chance that internal investigations would take a hard look at you. And that's universal around the world. I've worked very closely with the Israeli National Police. Cute little anecdote. Um, when I was a brand-new agent, my first fraud investigation, that was supposed to be a, a ground ball nothing, an Israeli kid in his 20s came in with an altered visa. Um, it turned out that he was involved with the PLO. He was here to get money to buy explosives to blow up an oil refinery in Israel, my very first investigation. And, in fact, the supervisor who decided that I could keep the case, this was back in the 70s, was the partner of the agent who worked on the Rudolf Abel spy investigation, where Rudolf Abel, the Russian spy, was arrested, charged with espionage, and subsequently swapped for Francis Gary Powers. And to go slightly off track, if you have not seen Bridge of Spies, I urge you to watch Bridge of Spies. It's an amazing movie. Tom Hanks did an incredible job. Um, and he plays the part of an attorney by the name of Donovan. 
Donovan's background was to have been a prosecutor at the trials at Nuremberg for the Nazi war criminals, and he had no problem sending Nazi war criminals to the gallows. But he also understood the need to properly defend this alleged Russian spy. And when he argued before the Supreme Court, he said the biggest weapon that America has in the Cold War against the Russians and their totalitarian government is that we abide by the notion of due process because that defines who we are, we, America. Uh, Look at Donald Trump. Look at what's going on with that whole 58-ring circus. And you say, wait a minute, is that who we still are? And if you watch Bridge of Spies, what you will hear in passing is that the arrest of Rudolf Abel was initiated because of an immigration investigation. Uh, That supervisor who gave me authorization to continue with the case, his partner actually found, as we were told in my office way back when, found the transmitter that the Russian spy was using to communicate with a Soviet submarine that far off the U.S. shoreline. He had smashed it, put it in the bottom of his garbage can. When he left the hotel, the agent from INS approached the hotel manager, said, do you have possession of the room and the keys? The guy said, yes. May I have permission to search the room? He said, yes. And he found the materials Working with the FBI, Rudolf Abel was prosecuted and found guilty of espionage. Immigration is not an insignificant issue. It is a follow-on to what the military does, the goal being to keep the enemies of America as far from our shores as possible. You'd never know it to listen to the politicians from both parties because they've been bribed. But when I worked with the Israelis, and I continued my relationship with them long after we prevented that terrorist attack, it was One of the things I'm proudest of in terms of my 30-year career that we prevented the death of a lot of people and the destruction of an important uh, refinery in Israel. Um, Over dinner one day, this police general who was assigned to New York, they generally had a three-year stint, we were talking about the issues of corruption and how Israel dealt with it. And he said in Israel, just like the United States, cops like to go into a restaurant and get a meal. But he said once that happens, they're crossing a line and the potential for corruption rears its ugly head. So what did they do in Israel? I said, I don't know. You you prosecuted people that that had free meals? He said, no. He said, that just creates more of a nightmare, and it interferes with the relationship between the the bosses and, and and the police officers who were out on the street. They hired some of the best chefs in Israel and put them to work at the police precincts, making incredibly wonderful lunches and dinners for the cops, and they could eat for free. Well, why go to a restaurant when you have a world-class chef back in your police precinct serving up some fabulous food for free? It's an innovative way of cutting down on opportunities for corruption to rear its ugly head in law enforcement. I thought it was a brilliant idea. It's something I wish perhaps we would do here in the United States because it also showed respect for the police officer who is entitled to have a decent dinner or a decent lunch, right? What we've done in America today is turned police officers and soldiers into adversaries. We've turned American against American. This whole business about white privilege and and lots of resentment and people angry at each other. Why? We're all Americans. If we focused on what makes us most similar, we'd find that there's very little differences. I've traveled across the country. I'm a Jewish kid from Brooklyn. I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. And before you get excited... Uh, the Democrats aren't Democrats, I am. I celebrate the First Amendment, as did my parents, and as I taught my own children, 
that you can't be a, quote, liberal unless you accept the notion of the First Amendment that everyone is entitled to his or her opinion and has the right to their mind without fear. Is that where we are today? Is that where the Democrats and their canceled culture, is that where they are? These are not liberals, so please stop calling them liberals. They're totalitarians and they are fascists and they are dangerous. They have become the adversaries of freedom within our very own country, haven't they? So that's really important to understand that when you speak to your neighbors. These folks are not liberal. There's nothing liberal about the cancel culture. There's nothing liberal about denying anybody due process when they are being accused of committing felonies. Think about that. And, and we're seeing it with Donald Trump and the people that worked for him. We saw it when he was first elected, when they went after him with Russian collusion and everything. This isn't how America is supposed to work. When I was a kid, whoever won the election won the election, and the opponent would stand up and say, we fought the good fight, I lost, we need to get behind my opponent, and in four years when there's another election, I plan to come back. Well, that's great. Nothing wrong with that, and that's not reincarnation, by the way. I plan to come back. But that's not what we're seeing. Hillary Clinton denied the results of the outcome. The, the, the results of the election uh, was apparently involved with the Steele dossier. Nothing's happened to Hillary. We look at what's going on with Hunter Biden, and that's absolutely going the wrong way on a one-way street also. But that's all the media wants to focus on. And meanwhile, while they're putting up all this airtime about Hunter Biden, they're not telling you about other issues that are critical to all of us, and immigration, of course, is one of them. If you wondered how I was going to weave immigration into it, here is how. It's been estimated that since Biden has taken office, at least 100,000 illegal aliens have been shipped to my hometown, New York City, 100,000. New York, back in, 19, in uh, 2018, was reported to be the city in America with the greatest number of illegal aliens, believe it or not. And this goes back to the fact that illegal aliens don't just come across the Mexican border. And by the way, when they do, they head to the rest of the country. We're seeing that now. But they're also coming in from Canada. They're stowing away on ships. They're coming in with visas and then disappearing into the night and violating the terms of their admission. And it's far more serious than overstaying a visa. I don't care if an alien overstays a visa, honestly. I arrested many aliens for doing it when I first started out as an agent. But the bigger deal is why are they here? I mean, if some guy is sleeping on his brother's couch and the brother is here legally, who cares? But if that alien is taking a job that should rightfully go to an American or a lawful immigrant, then we should all care. If that alien is coming to the United States to get medical treatment, um, and, and so we're footing the bill, we should all care. If that person is coming here to commit crime or because they're a fugitive from justice or they're part of a terror cell, we most certainly damn well better care, don't you think? You see, but they say, oh, he's a visa overstay. I, I would rather use the term visa violator because it covers a broader scope of activities that could be very injurious to both America and Americans. And then we have the politicians telling us that they want a policy of America first. Well, America first today does not mean Americans first. It means America first. It means banks, insurance companies, major corporations. And we've been told by the Republicans, they started this crap, oh, the immigrants do the work Americans won't do or can't do. We're either too lazy or too stupid. That's what we've been told. 
I remember watching a program back when I was a kid called What's My Line with John Charles Daly and Bennett Cerf and Arlene Francis, and those of you old enough to remember it, uh, I'm sure, smiling. Those of you who don't remember it because you're too young, go online. Maybe you could watch a couple of the programs. It was a fascinating program. They would have guests come on, and the object was for panelists who were mostly journalists, Bennett Cerf was a publisher, to ask insightful questions to try to figure out what the person did for a living. And then they would have a mystery guest who might have been an astronaut or a baseball player or a movie star, okay? But the idea was by asking the right questions, they would figure out what the person did for a living. And one day, these two young ladies came in wearing party dresses. This was in the early 60s. John F. Kennedy was in the White House. And they were in their early 20s. And it turned out their line, their job, was they were house painters. And they explained that they were in high school. They did not want to go to college because not everybody wants to go to college or needs to go to college. And I certainly agree, and I'm sure you agree. We're finding that out, aren't we? And the Labor Department recognized there was a shortage of carpenters, bricklayers, and painters. No, they did not run to State Department and say, give out visas. Let's bring in foreign workers. What they did was open up for free apprenticeship programs to encourage American kids graduating from high school to become carpenters, bricklayers, and painters. And these two young ladies who were sisters, they were identical sisters, by the way, kind of interesting, and very, you know, very pretty girls. It was kind of surprising. You wouldn't think, oh, these are people involved in the construction trades. Well, they were. And they became house painters, and they were very happy. And what was really funny was that at the end of the program, there was a public service announcement that, you know, wages are up, um, unemployment is down, America's future is bright. Wages are up and unemployment is down. And we didn't bring in an army of foreign workers to do the jobs that Americans could do. And if they did have the skills, then the Labor Department made certain that apprenticeship programs were opened up to provide Americans with the skills they need to do the job. My dad was a plumber. It's a trade job. It's a craftsman's job. It had a five-year apprenticeship. They don't just hand you a wrench and say, here, have at it. These are serious jobs. We could do without accountants and lawyers, God only knows, but you can't do without construction workers, without tradesmen, without people on the assembly line. I mean, yes, now we're automating more and artificial intelligence is coming into play, which will mean, by the way, some jobs are going away, and yet we're bringing in Millions of foreign workers at a time the jobs may disappear. How is that in the best interest of America or Americans? But are you hearing any of that as a matter of routine from the mainstream media? No, you're not. No, you're not. And the other day, Fox News had a woman on who was very upset. She's here in New York. And she said, you know, these people that want the open borders are putting the immigrants ahead of my children because they just turned my son's soccer field into a tent city for these immigrants. Well, first of all, they're not immigrants. They're not asylum seekers. Yes, they're filing applications for asylum, but they won't qualify. I wrote an article a while back for Front Page Magazine, and I said that to refer to most of these people as asylum seekers is not much different from referring to a homeless person as an aspiring millionaire because he went out and bought a lottery ticket. In order to qualify for political asylum, it's a very narrow requirement. The alien has to be able to provide evidence that he faces or she faces persecution or worse because of religious beliefs, 
because of sexual orientation, political beliefs, tribal affiliation, race, or ethnicity. That's it. Living in poverty does not qualify you for political asylum. Living in a country that's crime-ravaged does not qualify you. It's specifically that you have a credible fear that an investigation will bear out, that you will face persecution or worse because of race, religion, ethnicity, um, um, other such factors, and, and that's what political asylum is about, you see? So nobody wants to talk about any of this. And what the woman missed and what the host on the program missed when she said, well, they're putting the immigrants ahead of American kids, that's baloney. Do you really think that these open borders advocates give a rat's tail about any of the aliens flowing across our borders? How many of them have died in the desert trying to get here? We don't even know how many bodies are out there. Do they care? They only care that they can turn a profit. They're the ones who are being put ahead of our children. The profiteers, the exploiters are being put ahead of American kids, not the aliens. If you're angry at the aliens, you're angry at the wrong person. Now, we have criminals coming in because we've created, Biden has created this huge haystack of millions of people. And among those millions of people are some very deadly needles in that haystack. Murderers, sex offenders, terrorists, drug traffickers, fugitives from justice. Okay? But the bulk of the people coming across the border are desperate. They're desperate. They can't get safe drinking water. Nearly a billion people on the planet do not have access to electricity. So there will be no let-up on the number of aliens that will continue to flow across the country as long as Biden is in office and our government refuses to act on behalf of the American people. The immigration laws of the United States are designed to protect public health, public safety, national security, and the jobs and wages of Americans, period. This is not a complicated issue. Why, then, do we not have Republicans on a daily basis holding news conferences and saying, look at what's happening because we flooded America with millions of people whose identities cannot be verified, who may well include child molesters and terrorists and fugitives. Look at the impact this is having on the economy, on the environment. There's a drought out west, and I've talked about this before. I'm going to mention it again. Um, forgive me for being repetitious, but it's an argument that perhaps you might want to consider discussing with your neighbors and friends. The average human being requires 100 gallons of water per day, 100 gallons of water each and every day, seven days a week, okay? It's believed that at least 7 million aliens have been allowed into the United States by the Biden administration, and each and every day those 7 million aliens, and more coming even as you're listening to my voice, those 7 million consume in the aggregate 700 million gallons of water each and every day. Why is nobody talking about that? Think about the impact that has. We're concerned that the power grid is being overwhelmed, especially with the push for electric vehicles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Everybody who enters our country needs to flip on light switches and use electricity. Everybody who comes to the United States will ultimately need food and shelter and clothing 
and transportation, and we have limited resources, limited infrastructure. That means that there will be less to go around for Americans and lawful immigrants. It is also about inflation. If you add 7 or 8 or 9 or 10 million consumers to the marketplace and they need food and clothing, etc., etc., by supply and demand, the price of all of those consumables will continue to skyrocket. Why is nobody talking about that? It's estimated that the average student who is not English proficient needs the expenditure of 20 to 40% more money than does the educational system for kids who are English proficient. So now let's stop and think about that. And by the way, that statistic came out of a Congressional Budget Office uh, study that was done around 2006 or 2007. So not only are we flooding the school systems with more kids who need to be educated under our laws, they have to be educated. Meanwhile, there's a teacher shortage already. And now how many of those kids that are coming in and being uh, enrolled in our scant read or write English? That means that we have to spend money on English as a second language, which means that resources that should go to American children with learning disabilities that money is no longer available for early intervention, speech therapy, physical therapy, and other programs vital to the successful outcome of the educational system for American children. Now, of course, if you're very wealthy, you could afford to hire therapists and whatever you need to hire. So who gets hammered the worst? America's poor. They're being hammered because the educational system is being twisted to serve the needs of children who shouldn't be here. How does that help us? And as more and more aliens come into the United States and they start to have children, those children are American citizens, and when they grow up, we're only talking four, five, six years from now, get enrolled in the schools. If the parents aren't speaking English at home, most likely uh, they're not doing well with English either. So, again, we are going to put more stress on the educational system that's collapsing even as we speak. So these are all compelling arguments, I think. I mean, what do I know? When was the last time you saw any of the so-called leaders, and I use that term oozing with sarcasm, of the Republican Party, when was the last time you heard them talk about this? Oh, we're going to secure that southern border. We've got to take care of the southern border. That's all you're hearing about. And, and you know, I, I hate to tell you this, but, but we've become a very selfish people, the American people. I don't think we were, used to be this bad. But as a people, we've become grammatically challenged. We conjugate verbs in the first person singular. Me, myself, and I, the three most important people we know. Not all of us, but too many of us. Try to get on the highway and see who lets you in. Try to get out of a parking space and see who stops so that you can fl join the flow of traffic. Between the, the, the lockdowns, and the nonsense of social media, I, I really think that human beings have forgot that there's flesh and blood people that are out there whose, whose needs are just as important as their own. And so what you see is envy and jealousy and resentment, and certainly the notion of white privilege feeds that. So there was an interesting article, and the article was about how UPS workers, according to their new contract, within five years, will be making $170,000 a year, including their benefits, life insurance, health insurance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Well, it's, it's a decent paycheck. There's no two ways about it. I'm not going to tell you it isn't. It's a great paycheck. But we're talking that's what they're going to be earning in five years. Where's inflation going to be in five years? And it's not a paycheck. It also includes health insurance. It also includes unemployment insurance. So I don't know what their actual paycheck is going to be. Significantly less than 170000 And, again, this is five years from now. And at the rate that Biden is going with Bidenomics, God only knows you may have another – 20% jump in inflation, because look at what's happened to mortgages. The mortgage rates now are at 7.5% and going up. So getting a house is becoming more and more impossible for the average American, thanks to the economic crisis that this government has created. Meanwhile, people are using their credit cards to pay electricity bills and buy food, and they can't repay the money readily. So that means that the amount of money they owe goes up, and as the amount of money they owe increases, guess what happens? Their credit ratings go down. As their credit ratings go down, the interest that they have to pay to borrow money goes up, and banks now are turning away a record number of, of um, applications for credit. We are spiraling out of control. This is a death spiral. And you add to this the fact that Americans are losing their jobs to foreign workers, that the pressure of an army of foreign workers depresses wages for Americans. The immigration laws prior to the Second World War were enforced by the Labor Department. The whole idea was to protect the jobs and wages of American workers. That's something that Roosevelt came up with to try to end the Depression, to get as many Americans back into the labor market so they could earn money and contribute and, and, and they would pull America out of the Depression. That's where the origins of immigration were, protect jobs and wages for Americans. So as you flood America with foreign workers, besides the fact that those workers displace Americans, they also drive down the wages for Americans who are fortunate enough to have a job. And because they all need a place to sleep, it jacks up the price of real estate, even as mortgage rates are going up. You see, immigration is an integral part of all of this. And because we're so selfish, you have Americans resenting that the UPS workers are making money. I don't remember that when I was a kid. You would think people would say, hey, it's great that there are some American workers out there that are doing well. You know what? Maybe I should go call up UPS and see if I could get a job there. That's the rational response. But we're no longer rational. We no longer give a rat's tail about our average neighbor. Everyone wants to know what's in it for them, period, full stop. You could get enough Americans to understand the immigration crisis if you simply explain to them how this immigration crisis impacts them and their families directly. Nobody's doing that. They keep showing images of the southern border. That's why the politicians keep talking about the Mexican border. It's because of that and because that's how the Border Patrol got its power, its influence, and its money. The Border Patrol was the glamorous agency because they wore those uniforms and they were down there on the border. Do they do important work? Absolutely. I'm not knocking the Border Patrol. I went to Border Patrol Academy. When I hired on, that's where everybody with a badge at INS went for training. They do dangerous, valiant work. They're very important. And I'll never forgive or forget Biden falsely accusing Border Patrol agents for whipping quote-unquote, the migrants, if you remember that horror story, along with Mayorkas, another thief, another liar, okay? And they knew it was a lie. 
they knew it was a lie and they never corrected the story. It was about vilifying Americans. Again, divide Americans up against law enforcement. Law enforcement is evil. But what's more critical, or at least as critical as the Border Patrol, is the way that we give citizenship out to aliens, the way that we enforce the laws when aliens enter the United States. Because if people could not enter the United States and, and get illegal employment or get a green card by committing fraud, they wouldn't come here. The whole idea to the Immigration Reform and Control Act that Reagan signed into law back in 1986 was the notion that the jobs were the magnet that drew the majority of illegal aliens across our borders. So the idea was that for the first time, it would be a crime for knowingly hiring illegal aliens. I completely agreed with that law, but we never hired the agents to enforce the law. The law is there, but the resources to enforce the law are never there. That's the magic act. You convince people you're doing the right thing by enacting laws, but then you don't fund the enforcement of those laws. It's a magic act. It's about creating illusions. You see, that's how the scam works. That's how the con job works. But it's also about aliens getting green cards and U.S. citizenship. You know, the notion, well, if you put up a 20-foot wall, the aliens will come with a 25-foot ladder may be true. But the easier way to get across that border is to get a green card because then you just walk through a port of entry and you're embraced with both arms and, honey, I'm home. Okay? So the entire immigration system needs to be thought of as a system, but it's not. So all we're hearing from the politicians is we've got to secure the southern border. What about the northern border? What about the aliens who stow away in ships? What about the employers who hire illegal aliens? What about the aliens who conceal their criminal backgrounds or their affiliation with criminal or terrorist organizations and wind up getting U.S. citizenship? A guy with a green card was just sentenced to life without parole. He came to the United States from Kosovo and was a key figure in ISIS operating out of the United States. And they found him responsible for the death of people overseas. So he got sentenced to life without parole. And, of course, the headline on the Justice Department website, Brooklyn resident. How about Kosovo, a guy with a green card? When you read the indictment, immediately it says this guy was a resident alien who entered the United States with a green card. So understand, he didn't run the Mexican border. We admitted him, gave him a green card, and then... He did his dirty work from within our borders, recruiting terrorists, raising money, um, and doing training and propaganda on behalf of ISIS, which resulted in multiple deaths overseas. We're fortunate that, to our knowledge, at least thus far, that he didn't kill anybody inside the borders here in the United States. But no one talks about that. No one talks about the fact that you have a couple of thousand ICE agents for the entire United States of America, a couple thousand. I think we have something like 60,000 people at TSA checking baggage at the airport, and you have 6,000 ICE agents, and most of the work they do has nothing to do with immigration. They're involved with money laundering and intellectual property theft and kiddie porn and, and all sorts of crimes that have nothing to do with immigration. This is the way that George W. Bush put DHS together when he became the president after 9-11. And it was the Republicans who called him out. He did incredible damage when he created DHS the way that he did. I, I came to call the Department of Homeland Surrender. It's both parties that have done this to us. But I want to understand why the Republican Party, if they truly want to win control of both houses, if they want to win control of the White House, aren't being very crystal clear for the average American as to what Biden's immigration policies and border policies mean for America and Americans. 
the fentanyl crisis, the gangs that have flourished, starting with Obama. I began investigating MS-13 back in the early 1990s, and it was a small problem. They were extremely violent, extremely pernicious, but they were only little pockets of MS-13 in a few select cities. It started on the West Coast. We had them here on Long Island. We had a problem in Virginia. There were a couple of places. MS-13 has metastasized and can be found in, in most of the states across our country now. Why is no one talking about that? Why is no one talking about, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that Illinois will make alien police officers? So while Governor Pritzker from Illinois has passed a law that greatly limits magazine sizes for guns and all sorts of other things for Americans, police officers are exempt those restrictions. So you could have an alien walking around with a Glock handgun pistol that has 20 rounds in the magazine, and it's perfectly legal. And because of federal law, that cop can go anywhere in the United States with that firearm and be legal. Why is no one talking about that? I plan to write an article about this for Front Page Magazine in the next couple of days. We don't know who these people are. We're including DACA aliens. These are all aliens who entered the country by sneaking past the inspections process we conducted ports of entry to prevent the entry of criminals, terrorists, and others who pose a threat to public safety and national security. And Pritzker said, well, we're going to make sure we don't violate federal law. Federal law says if you weren't admitted legally, you can't carry a gun. But yet they specifically said that DACA aliens will be allowed. Do they really plan to follow federal law? I doubt it. And do you think that the Biden administration would do anything about it? I doubt it. So you could have aliens involved with gangs and terrorist groups and narcotics trafficking organizations wielding a badge and a gun and carry that badge and gun across the country. And I mentioned it previously. We had a case of a Chinese citizen who was a spy for China joining our military and joining the New York City Police Department and getting assigned to a precinct in Queens, New York, that has a heavy Asian population so that he could recruit spies and keep tabs on Chinese citizens in the United States. China has illegal so-called police stations scattered across America to keep tabs on their people in our country, to intimidate them into compliance. How many police officers do you think we're going to wind up with from China because of what they're doing in Illinois? And how long will it be before other cities and other states follow suit? What are we doing? What in the world are we doing? So these are key issues that if Americans were made to understand the implications of what's actually happening, would probably up in arms screaming at the top of their lungs. When was the last time you saw a Republican leader in either the House or Senate articulating any of the issues that I just raised for you? When? The 12th of never? These are compelling arguments, and they're based on fact. This isn't conjecture. It's not nonsense. I was watching Fox the other day, and, you know, they do okay. But I'm tired of watching Joe Biden misspeak or falter or fall down. Or We know that he's addled. We know that he's not hitting on all eight cylinders. What's more important as we approach Election Day are the existential threats that America faces. And if you want to talk about possible Biden corruption, why is no one asking the question, has Biden been taking money from China? 
as money, Biden is taking money from other countries that are our adversaries and doing their bidding. Why in the world are we allowing narcotics to flow freely into the United States? And the proceeds from the drug trade are enriching Iran and China and the cartels. Biden is corrupt. It's a big if. But if he is, is it possible that that's why this is happening? Because he's either been bought or extorted? It's a question no one's asking. Because certainly, if in fact he's taking money and it's causing him to make decisions that are not in America's best interest, if you want to talk about impeachable offenses... Well, my goodness gracious. And if you want to talk about the Constitution, look no further than Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution that says that the states are to be provided with a Republican form of government and protection against invasion and domestic violence. We are under attack and we are being invaded by millions of people who don't have the qualifications to enter the United States legally. And if you go to Article 4, I'm sorry, if you go to Title 8, United States Code Section 1182, and if you go to my articles at front page, I frequently put a link to that section of law. It enumerates the categories of aliens who are to be excluded from the United States. And I promise you there is not a single word that deals with race, religion, or ethnicity. This is not about bigotry. It's about survival, our survival. It starts out with categories of exclusion, aliens with dangerous communicable diseases, Leprosy is now showing up in Florida. Dengue fever showing up in Florida. We're worried about a new form of COVID. Well, you think maybe there's a crisis? Ellis Island was a quarantine station, right? So, number one, aliens with dangerous communicable diseases. Number two, aliens who suffer severe mental illness. Aliens who are criminals, terrorists, spies, human rights violators, war criminals, fugitives from justice human traffickers, drug smugglers. And then we get to aliens who would become a public charge, meaning that we'd have to pay for them, which is not fair. America, if you haven't noticed, um, has one hell of a deficit. And aliens who, if they work, would displace Americans and or drive down the wages of American workers. What in the world is wrong with enforcing laws that are designed to keep people out of our country who pose a threat to public health, public safety, national security, and the jobs and wages of American workers. That's what the laws are about, folks. When was the last time a Republican leader stood before the microphones and made that simple point? We need to get a handle on who we're letting into the country because what is happening now is creating a national security nightmare. It's impacting the environment. It's impacting the economy. It's having a hell of a deleterious effect on health care as emergency rooms are being used as primary health care providers by aliens who have no health insurance and they cannot be turned away. It's having one hell of an impact on the educational system that's struggling right now. And without an adequate education, American kids will lose out in this global economy. I promise you, give it one generation and America will go away. That seems to be the goal something China would love. And we hear all these stories about Biden and China and money. It's incredible. In fact, under the Trump administration, Betsy DeVos, they just did a a hit piece on her. And I'm not a big Betsy DeVos fan. There are things that they reported on that I have a problem with, but that's fine. 
But one of the things that Betsy DeVos found was over $6 billion in money that was sent to U.S. universities from China, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and other countries that are not our friends. Of course, the article on TV, the program, didn't get into that at all. So we are allowing people onto our campuses as professors and as students who are hostile towards America. Trump was trying to stop it. Maybe one of the reasons they went after Trump. You know, I wrote an article a way back, and I, I said that Donald Trump was America's first whistleblower-in-chief. Now, again, I don't think he's done everything right. and Sometimes his own mouth has been his, big, his worst enemy. But it was clear from day one that they had to, they, the globalists, the lunatic left, and some on the right also, uh, wanted to shut him down because he was messing up their very lucrative game. And here we are. And so here we are. And yet, do you see the Republicans who claim to want to win the elections making any of the statements that I'm making for you this evening? And now you add to that the so-called journalists who are anything but journalists. There was just an article. This is really great. Fox News reported this one. This was August 16th, so two days ago. ABC News changes headline amid backlash after saying climate change can't be blamed for the Maui wildfires. The subtitle, (coughs) pardon me, climate activists took to social media and objected to ABC's original headline. I thought the news was the news. I thought the news was about facts. I thought ABC News changed the headline. Why? Is that the news? When I was a kid, Walter Cronkite, Eric Severide, Huntley and Brinkley, and all those other journalists, John Chancellor, um, they reported on the news. You didn't go to one channel for for conservative news and another channel for so-called liberal news. In fact, at CBS, Cronkite said that they had put up a, a wall. The news had nothing to do with entertainment. They wouldn't even look at ratings. Because the fear was if you start to look at ratings, you're going to alter the way you you produce the news to meet ratings goals. The news was seen as sacred. It's the one part of broadcast that you don't mess with. I agree. Without accurate reporting, how in the world can the American people know what's going on? Who to vote for? How to understand the issues? Climate change. Why is it verboten to even challenge the notion of climate change? Go back to follow the science. Science starts with what? A question. Astronomer, what's the biggest return we've gotten from the space program? And you know what that astronomer said? The biggest return from all those spacecraft that we've sent out into the solar system and beyond, what they've given us is the next set of questions. The next set of questions. And today, if you ask the wrong question, you might get prosecuted. You don't ask questions, but you follow the science. That's mutually exclusive. That's mutually exclusive. You can't be following the science if you're not allowed to ask questions. See? So these are all lies and propaganda, and the American people foolishly are falling right in line because, goodness gracious, they don't want to be accused of of being bad people. You know, many people have asked me over the years, Mike, aren't you afraid, or Mr. Cutler, aren't you afraid that if you keep on insisting on securing our borders and enforcing immigration laws that they're going to call you a bigot? 
a racist, a fear monger? My answer is, so what? Who cares? What do you mean? Well, I'm not a racist. I'm not a bigot. When I arrested illegal aliens, I didn't look at the guy's race or the gal's race and say, oh, I got to arrest this guy because he has orange skin with yellow polka dots. No. There was a violation of law. You conducted an investigation, and then you went out and made the arrest like any other crime. Period. It's not about race. It's not about religion. I arrested more illegal Israelis in New York probably than any other agent in the history of my office because I had worked very closely with the Israeli National Police after I stumbled upon that terror plot in Israel. So when they had fugitives who came to the United States to flee justice, they would let me know who the person was, and my partner and I would go out and arrest them. And by the way, back then, my partner was a Jewish guy. And we would be accused sometimes by the Israelis of being anti-Semitic, and I thought it was very funny. Anti-Semitic? No. I'm anti-criminal. By the way, one of the people that I arrested at the request of the Israeli government was an Israeli man who had killed a Palestinian prostitute. He was using narcotics and steroids. He had, you know, we call him the member of the no-neck club. He must have had a 26-inch neck. You had to see this guy. Very impressive. And we arrested him. We sent him back to Israel. He was found guilty, stood trial. Uh, he stood trial, was found guilty, and sentenced to many years in, in jail for that murder of a Palestinian. It's not about race or religion. It's about justice. It's about the law. That's why Lady Justice wears a blindfold. It's incredible to me that there are politicians who have so befuddled Americans into believing that laws that are designed to protect our safety and our jobs are somehow unfair or unreasonable. What is unfair or unreasonable about protecting public health, public safety, national security, or Americans' jobs or wages? And by the way, the jobs and wages aren't just the jobs of illegal aliens, uh, and, and, and we're talking about menial jobs. Alan Greenspan testified for Chuck Schumer back on April 30th, 2009, and referred to high-tech American workers, people with advanced degrees, as the privileged elite. How's that for chutzpah? This guy with mansions all over the place, Alan Greenspan, former, direct, former um, Fed chairman. And he said the solution to wage inequality, at least in part, is to make Americans compete with foreign workers, and that way you can drive down their wage premium. And once you did that, you would greatly reduce inequality in wages, between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. Well, guess what? That's exactly what the immigration laws prohibit. Americans are not supposed to be competing with foreign workers. And so now you have the politicians from both parties saying, we need to modernize the immigration laws. You know what that's code for? We need to eliminate that clause that says that American workers are to be shielded from foreign competition. They want a, an employer to be able to go into his office and fire every American and bring in foreign workers who will work for one-third the wage and make that legal. That's what they would call modernization of our immigration laws. Screw over Americans. Screw over Americans. We need to stand up to this. And the problem is the lobbyists who give the money to the politicians are getting exactly what they want, the best government money can buy, and guess who gets the short end of that stick? We the people. The people who Lincoln said uh, was supposed to be the government of the people, by the people, for the people. Don't hold your breath. 
Don't hold your breath. And that's why you need to sit down with your neighbors and have those conversations and say to them, listen, there's nothing wrong with enforcing laws that are designed to keep people out of our country who pose a threat to our safety or well-being, to the education of our children, to the environment, to the economy. This isn't xenophobia. These are just cold, hard facts. We're letting in unprecedented numbers of people who can't be screened. And remember one thing. It was only 19 terrorists on 9-11 who killed more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. And meanwhile, you have reporters saying, yes, they're putting the immigrants ahead of American kids. The hell they are. Those immigrants are being exploited and suffering. We have tens of thousands of minor children, alien children, missing. Some of them showing up working in factories shouldn't be there. Some of them are being trafficked for sex purposes. No, this isn't about the immigrants. This is about the exploiters because they're getting what they want and we are all getting shafted. It's time that we stood up to them and the lies and had the courage speak our minds freely, especially when we have conversations with our neighbors and friends. This is still the summertime. We're going to barbecues and softball games. We're out there, conversations with our neighbors. Let's stop this nonsense about libertades and all this name-calling. It's counterproductive. We're Americans. And if we focused on what makes us most similar, we would quickly realize that as Americans, we really need to come together Uh, as they would say in the Wild West, circle the wagons to protect ourselves and our children. You can't be a good parent and not be involved in politics because what's at stake is the future of America. And if the future of America is at stake, guess what, folks? The future of our children and our children's children are all at stake as well. The facts, common sense, the law, morality, they're all on our side. It's self-evident and they're irrefutable. Please send a copy of the link to this podcast to as many of your friends as possible. Suggest that they listen to my other programs, that they read my articles at the front page. I'm not going to claim to have all the answers. When someone says they have all the answers, uh, as my parents would have told me, run for your life. But I've been involved with this immigration issue since 1971. It's a long time. I've had a front row seat to the insanity. I spent half my 30 years with the drug task force, arresting drug traffickers, terrorists, and some truly evil people. There was nothing about my job that was racist or bigoted. It was all about trying to make America safe. And if you think that releasing criminals onto the street is in the best interest of America's minorities, you're crazy because they're the ones who are suffering the greatest violence. Our cities are being destroyed by crime. And the one question that everyone should ask politicians, I don't care at what level, how are your policies in the best interests of the average American? They'd be hard-pressed to justify the lunacy that passes for another day in America today. This is crazy. We the people have the power. Please remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. Thank you for joining me. I hope you'll join me again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe. Be well.